Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, beautiful Wednesday. Hope uh, you're having a good start to the day around the country. Uh, And we have uh, a really top show uh, and diverse show this morning going from uh, 9 o'clock through to 12 when, of course, uh, Mark Stafford takes over the helm. Uh, We're going to be speaking to Hamish Carter, a legend. Hamish Carter, of course, these days General Manager of Performance at uh, Triathlon New Zealand, but, of course, Olympic gold medalist, uh, Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, uh, and uh, this morning, around about 7.30 our time, they named the uh, triathlon team for the Commonwealth Games. So we'll get his comments on that as well as other things. Chris Key uh, is the host of The Ditch, a brand new uh, rugby league show about the NRL on Sky Sports starting up. We'll talk to uh, Chris about that and other rugby league matters just after 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, we've got a panel this morning consisting of Alex Chapman and Hamish Bidwell. Uh, and after 11 o'clock, uh, really looking forward to talking to AJ Witten, Alan Witten, of course, uh, all black great, Auckland rugby great. Uh, just what is it about uh, the Blues that he's uh, found a, uh, this season to be uh, so impressive? Uh, as also, of course, being uh, one of our greatest ever loose forwards, particularly in the number six jersey. What about the makeup of the uh, All Black loose forwards? What does he foresee coming there? And maybe he's got a thought on a captain or two as well. So uh, we'll have a stump by Smithy around about 11.30 this morning. Uh, and, of course, uh, we will also open up the lines just after 9.30 uh, for your subjects. Today we were perhaps going to talk about, hey, how did Daniel Vittori slip under the radar? You had so much to talk about with uh, Brennan McCullum. Uh, being the uh, the coach of uh, England. What about Dan Vittori uh, going to coach the arch enemy, the arch enemy, uh, of course, in Australia? Uh, maybe some so- super rugby finalists. Who do you see being super rugby finalists as we look into the business end of the competition as well? And a couple of other matters for you to mull over and give us a call on 0800 150811. But it's time to kick off the show with some triathlon news. Well, it's about 63 days now until the Commonwealth Games begin in Birmingham, England. Uh, Six triathletes were named this morning to take part in the individual event in July, with four of those athletes also going to compete in the mixed team event. 
Uh, those uh, particular athletes named this morning were in the women, Andrea Hansen, Nicole van der Kay, Ainsley Thorpe, and the men, Taylor Reid, Hayden Wild, Dylan McCulloch. Uh, to talk us about uh, that team, uh, through that team, of course, and, uh, and what's going on in the world of triathlon, particularly from a New Zealand perspective, is the general manager of performance at Triathlon New Zealand. But, of course, uh, we all know him so well as a former Olympic champion in his own right. The great Hamish Carter joins us. Hamish, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Nice to uh, to talk to you, mate. Yeah, big morning for uh, triathlon, of course, to get uh, that team uh, uh, the, the team announced. So, Andrea Hanson, Nicole van der Kay, Ainsley Thorpe, Taylor Reid, Hayden Wild, uh, Dylan McCulloch. Any surprises there in terms of the thinking? Anyone um, unlucky, perhaps? I think, yeah, first of all, I think um, it's a, a really, really neat to get to this stage. Um, you like all H. All sport around the world has been, you know, so badly affected, and Tokyo was a really difficult game, um, but it still happened. And now I think we're getting back to normal, and it's just exciting for a New Zealand triathlon team to be named a team of six, and we're super excited. Um, the team was because of the, you know, effect, the, the effect on international racing. Um, our policy was up; the selection policy was updated. So that we had, we were able to put on three New Zealand races, which um, which counted towards selection and also some racing last year. And so, you know, the New Zealand athletes had an opportunity to compete in those races. And you know, in particular, we saw Andrea race particularly well in those races, coming back from having had a baby and taking some time out from the sport, and um, put her hand up, and the selectors, you know, put her forward for the team. So. Uh, I wouldn't say there's any surprises. I just think each athlete has earned their spot and it's super exciting to to name a really strong team and we're really looking forward to seeing them race in the, um, in the black kit with the silver fern and representing New Zealand. OK, let's uh, look at the, the women's team then. As you say, uh, Andrea, formerly Andrea Hewitt, now uh, Andrea Hansen, uh, new baby in tow as well. Um, and Nicole van der Kay and Ainsley Thorpe. I guess the first thing to look at is uh, medal chances. Yeah, this um, the team has is, is, is really got a mix of experiences. Like Ainsley and Nicole both competed in Tokyo Olympics, and that, that was their first games and uh, Olympic games. And there was heaps of learning. It was, a, as I said, it was quite a difficult Olympics, but um, you know, amazing opportunity they they had to compete there. I think um, across the three women, they'll definitely go pretty close to getting onto the podium. I think they're certainly capable of it. You, you know, you need a few things to go your way in the individual race, and then you know, out of those three um, and the three men, you know, four athletes will go forward for the mixed relay a couple of days later. And again. The New Zealand team was the bronze um, medal team in the last Olympics on the Gold Coast, so uh, they've got yeah they've got real high hopes. I think they'll do they'll do really really well. The men's side of it is uh, Taylor Reid, Hayden Wild, Dylan McCulloch. We know quite a lot about uh, Hayden Wild, who's been exceptional of late um, in all sorts of uh, forms of the sport. But uh, Dylan McCulloch's a good selection or an interesting selection at just 21 years of age. Yeah, it's a really neat opportunity for Dylan. Again, he ra- he raced really well in, in the races, some racing last year, and in particular over the New Zealand summer. 
and he's you know, put himself on the team, and that's really exciting for him. He's, he's a young athlete, just turning 20, so we're really um, happy for him. And then right through to yeah, Hayden, um, sort of one of the best triathletes in the world at the moment. He was third recently at the Yokohama World um, Triathlon event, uh, just behind a great British athlete. Um, and so you know, they'll go toe-to-toe again in Birmingham, but yeah, Hayden's really... One of the few athletes in the world, probably, that out of COVID and lockdown and you now limited racing, has progressed to the top of the sport globally. And um, you know, real exciting prospect. Um, you know, if he races well or to his what he's capable of, he's certainly um, able to win the individual race, I think, and certainly be an incredibly strong athlete in the mixed relay if he's um, selected for that event. And Taylor Reed's prospects. Yeah, well, Taylor has, again, had a really strong year last year. He was, um, I think it was seventh at the World Champs in Edmonton last year. And it was a bit of a breakthrough performance for him, you know, breaking into that top ten in a really, really strong international field. So, again, Taylor initially, you know, over the last couple of years was a very strong mixed relay athlete. Now has sort of shown some capability and progressed to be, um, you know, in a, in a world-class individual athlete. So across the board, there is some real strength in this team. And, um, yeah, I think, I think they're well-placed to go really well in Birmingham, but also, you know, the other international races that they're going to compete in in their build-up. OK, let's look at uh, the course uh, for Birmingham, which I understand to be Sutton Park. Uh, do you know too much about that? I don't, we haven't done a site visit or anything like that. Um, the athletes have certainly seen, um, there's maps of the course. I think the key there is that, you know, they'll be familiar with the racing over there and the athletes will be, um, the athletes that they normally compete with. So it'll be quite a strong field because the Commonwealth does hold a lot of the, some of the best athletes in the world. But yeah, they are used to racing in different countries on different circuits, you know, week in, week out. So, um, they'll probably head over about five or six days before their race and uh, check out the course. But I think it will, yeah, will, be, a, it will be a tough course and um, probably quite technical so that it's good for spectators. Uh, and, and certainly won't be a hot race. Um, you know, over there it won't be... It'll be no. usually a bit cooler than what they normally say. OK, let's look, look at uh, the style of racing or the, the type of racing. The individual, where they'll all compete as individuals, obviously. Um, and then, of course, the team racing side of things. Can you explain the difference? Because one, one's regarded more as a sprint event. Uh, so it, what, what are the distances as such for the various races? Yeah, so this, the, the, for the Commonwealth Games, there's a, um, the individual race is a sprint race. So that's a 750-metre swim a 20k bike and a 5k run. Um, obviously, the Olympic distance is double that, but in this instance for the Commonwealth Games, it'll be a sprint event. And then two days later, they'll compete in the mixed relay, which is um, that is a race that goes men, man, woman, man, woman, uh, one after the other, and they each do a swim, bike, and run, and then tag the next team member, and they swim 300 metres, bike about seven, and run. 1500 so it's just a shorter form of of triathlon and it's 
you know, made its debut in Tokyo Olympics, um, but it has been around for a number of years before that. And yeah, I mean, look, in 2020, the New Zealand mixed relay team was ranked around fifth in the world. Uh, so from a Commonwealth perspective, it is certainly a strong team. But ultimately, they'll be up against the British, which will be um, they're the gold medalists from Tokyo. Mm. Really strong team. Um, Australia will have a strong team. Um, there's a number of yeah, other countries which will be you know, not making it easy for that race to be um, taken out by the Kiwis. Why do you think it is uh, in the Commonwealth countries that uh, triathlon is, is, is so strong and, and has such a, a strong percentage uh, when you compare it to the world stage? Oh, no, it's a really good question. I think it, um, I think you know, a number of Commonwealth countries have access to the types of training and terrain that sort of suits their ability to, um, you know, combine the three sports of triathlon, swim, bike, and run. And um, you know, I think maybe it's how we grow up. We, we play a lot of sports in, in, the, in the Commonwealth countries, and so you kind of experience. Um, those and that maybe is accessible. And look, I just think from the start of when triathlon was mostly, you know, came out of America, but it was very much adopted by the likes of New Zealand, Australia and, and Great Britain and um, South Africa and those Commonwealth countries, I think we just really, you know, latched onto it. One of the great variations, and sport is evolving. I mean, you look at in each individual sport these days, Hamish, they've got a, you know, they've got their main type theme, and then, of course, you've got branch out events. Cricket has T20, uh, rugby has sevens, etc. like this. When I was fascinated to watch uh, Hamish uh, Wild, uh, Hayden Wild, so the other day, uh, of course, to take part in the Singapore Arena Games, which, of course, he won. Um, which is a, a hybrid form, I guess, of, of triathlon. Tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, so um, you're right. Every sport does seem to be evolving um, and kind of trying to create more, I guess, entertaining versions of the sport. Um, you know, you still have your classic components of Olympic distance. Um, but the Arena Games is, is, yeah, just another iteration of a short-form type of triathlon, um, you know, raced indoors. Um, but there's also the likes of a, another series called Super League, that um, Hayden and Taylor and Nicole and probably a couple of the others will all compete in. And these are even shorter races again over the course of a day where they might race two or three times. Uh, like in this, it's called a super sprint format and, and different variations. And so, you know, for these athletes, it's exciting because there's lots of options, but also it's hard to kind of pick your priorities and determine what are you going to focus on and really try to win. And so, you know, Particularly for someone like Hayden, you can't you can't sort of target everything. And the Commonwealth Games is another race which will be hugely important to each of the athletes while they also balance the other priorities for their sponsors and for world rankings and um, you know, other events where they they where they'll be out to sort of make prize money to, to pay for their campaigns and their support staff and all the rest of it. So. There's a, there's a ton of uh, racing on offer. It's really about trying to progress as an athlete, keep yourself healthy, limit your amount of travel, but also compete in the events that you really are passionate about and want to be at the very best. Um, and look, you know, Paris Olympics is only a couple of years away. And, you know, we've only just had Tokyo. So 
you know, sport is really catching up after missing most of 2020 and 2021 and, um, and, and adding the Commonwealth Games into this year after we've only just had Tokyo last year and uh, it all is quite compressed and um, quite tricky. Hamish, just looking overall at the state of triathlon, um, not so much in the, around the world, but particularly in New Zealand, which is one of, of course, your major focuses, um, often when we see these, these sports on television or we see our athletes doing well at things like Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, there's a sort of a resurgence in the interest. People say, like, gee, I wouldn't mind having a crack at that, even though it's as tough as it is. I think we've seen that with, uh, with snowboarding after, after the Winter Olympics. What is the state of triathlon like in this country in terms of numbers, in terms of, of participation? I think you did right. Like, triathlons enjoyed um, quite regular success um, at the Olympics. And, uh, you know, um, like four Olympic medals over the last five Olympiads, I think it is. I'd probably need to double-check that. But we've kind of had a, a range of success. And I think each time... You know, I've certainly experienced it, and Hayden will as well, is just seeing, um, I think, success at the top inspires the next generation to want to get involved and take part in triathlon. I think the difficulty we have as a sport is it's quite difficult to put triathlons on because you've got to close roads and get consents and all those sort of things. Um, but in saying that, I still think... Um, Triathlon is very much still available in New Zealand, either, either through kids doing it at school or the Weetbix Triathlon, right through to um, races such as World Cups and Continental Cups being hosted in New Zealand. And I think a ton of people still look to, you know, train on the weekend and race their friends. And So I think it is there and available. And our history kind of um, does spark the interest of triathlon and, and the aspect of being able to be successful in the sport. And we're sort of seeing a number of younger athletes further down their pathway aiming to get where Hayden is at at the moment. And that just inspires another group of athletes to want to get to that level. Um, and it isn't easy, but, you know, I think as New Zealanders, that's what we kind of thrive in the moment around challenging sports and things that are quite tough that we... Um, it sort of encourages us to want to have a have a go at it and, and get involved. And, yeah, certainly what triathlon's trying to do is grow the sport while we, you know, enable the top athletes to be competitive on the world stage. Well, we've had a rich uh, history in it, um, and it's, uh, it's a sport that certainly... I think New Zealanders look at and think we've uh, we've got aspirations whenever our athletes turn up, and I think it's a, a, a reflection of what uh, you guys and girls did back in your time. It's been an amazing time, and uh, now we can look forward with interest to this, this six-person team. Of course, there are, are a couple of reserves who are a part of it as well, and uh, of course they have to stay exceptionally fit as well. So a tough time, um, uh, of course, preparing this, this COVID world that we've been living in hasn't made it that easy. Uh, and so I suppose that in the end, uh, that's a reflection. That this will be a reflection of, of a almost, and one of the great things about these, these Commonwealth Games, Hamish, it's going to be like a, uh, almost like the old days, almost like a free event in terms of that where we have crowds. We have you know, crowds along the course, etc. thing, which I imagine would help the athletes immensely. Yeah, it really, really, really does. It's a massive part of racing. 
And I think a lot of the athletes um, we're working with are already overseas and they're kind of seeing the world um, far more opened up than, than where New Zealand is. And I think that's really encouraging for the return of international sport and big crowds to be watching. Um, I think that made Tokyo really difficult. You know, if you're a first-time Olympics, um, you're so restricted and there were no spectators and that sort of changes the environment a bit. So sport should be about a celebration and people coming together to um, achieve something amazing um, despite the risks. And hopefully, yeah, the Commonwealth Games will be that again and you know, athletes will have as much of the experience as the performance. I think they've got to go hand in hand because sport is about um, enjoying yourself and challenging yourself and not just about the medals. There's so much more to it. So, And look, you know, we know that the rest of the country will be back here watching um, New Zealand's got such a history in the Commonwealth Games and you know, by the time it does roll around I think we're all going to be watching um, all the sports and yeah, getting right into it I think we're right, I think you're dead right there I totally agree with that, Olivia Thornbury and Trent Thorpe are the reserve athletes of course, having to keep themselves in shape as well, Hamish Carter uh, pleasure talking to you, thank you so much for giving us a background on our team and the state of triathlon in New Zealand uh, really enjoyed the chat, thank you Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers. Hamish Carter there. Olympic great, one of our most uh, well-known and fantastic athletes, isn't he, over the years? Uh, and uh, always paints a, a good picture on triathlon uh, because it's such a, a demanding sport. But as he says, we do do very well in it. It's 9.23 here on SENZ. Um, and uh, we'll come back to, uh, just before the news with a subject or two for you to talk about when we open the phone lines uh, after the 9.30 break. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 9.28, and we will be opening up the lines very shortly. Uh, 0800 150811. You'll be in the draw to win a Chemist Warehouse voucher to the value of $50. Uh, chemist Warehouse uh, voucher, $50. Uh, 0800 150811. Subjects this morning, what did you think of uh, the ban handed out uh, to Sam Gilbert? Got five weeks, should he have got more? Uh, why aren't they learning, these guys? It's uh, one of the big things. Uh, Tony Johnson earlier in the week saying, why are they not learning, uh, these fellows, about contact these days in the game? Rightly or wrongly, they are the rules, and you have to abide by them. If you, you think that the rules are soft, so be it, but they are the rules. Uh, the fact of the matter is you stay away from the head, you stay away from danger areas around the head and the neck, and that was pretty bad. We saw one last night on Richard Kahui, actually, um, and uh, I think it was uh, Levi Moore, I think, uh, uh, the centre for Moana Pacifica. Uh, he got marched, but goodness me, he was pretty lucky just to be marched and get back on the field after 10 minutes, I think it's fair to say. So uh, what about it? Why aren't they learning? 0800 150 811. Give us your thoughts on that. Also, pick your Super Rugby finalists, if you like. Is it as simple as the Crusaders and the Blues, as I seem to think it is? Or is there a spanner in the works there from Australia? Could the Brumbies sneak in? And here's another one too, 0800 150 Dan Vittori. Daniel Vittori, our very own Daniel Vittori. Perhaps the greatest all-rounder we have produced in this country. Right up there with Sir Richard Hadley. Uh, certainly uh, people underestimated Dan Vittori's batting 
and his thinking of the game. And you've got to put all those things in the melting pot when you talk about an all-rounder. Uh, what about Daniel Vittori going to coach Australia? That's Has it slipped under the radar for you? I mean, it's all been about Baz coaching England. But what about Dan Vittori helping Australia to beat us on a daily basis? Not sure about that one either myself. So they are the subject for today, 0800 150 811. Or if you've got something else you'd like to talk about, give us a call. Uh, 9.30 here on SENZ, and it's Ottawa time. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yeah, it's 9.32 here. Yep, that Chemist Warehouse voucher for $50. Number of texts coming in uh, from Jason, in fact, uh, from uh, Victoria and Australia. I think Daniel Vittoria will make a great addition to the Australian cricket team backroom. I admire the way he played cricket. I respected him as a cricketer. Anyone who plays or has played cricketer as an elite like Vittori. Uh, will, uh, I think, get respect in Australia, respect the way uh, they play, New Zealand play the game, I think, and that's one of the reasons also uh, why I think uh, we're being targeted at the moment. It's the style of cricket and the way we approach cricket and the, uh, the pretty clean image we have around the game, I think, that suggests that uh, people want to be a part of us. So don't be surprised if you see other New Zealanders, just like in the rugby code, uh, being nabbed from time to time. Uh, Zaid has called in. Zaid from Auckland, regular contributor to uh, all the shows across the board. Zaid, good morning to you. Dan Vittori on his way to Australia. What do you make of that? Well, the thing is, I'm not too happy about it, but we can't hold on to them. Clearly, can we? Yeah, we've, got, we've clearly got too many um, good coaches. You think well, Daniel Vittori, Brendan McCullum. Um, I'm not surprised Mike Kesson might get snapped up by a country one day. Um, Stephen Fleming, I'm sure he'll leave them. I'm sure he'll he'll go probably somewhere. I know, I know they've already been coaching in the IPL, but I'm sure they'll probably get something to do with an international job one day. But we just we've just clearly got too much talent. And the same thing with the rugby. You know, we we lose rugby we lose rugby coaches all the time to overseas. But the thing is, what can you do about it? Dave Rennie coaching Australia. Um, is that Karen Crowley coaching Italy? The thing is, we've just clearly got too much depth. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. And I'd like to get onto a bit of rugby quickly. Um, Sam Gilbert, do you think five weeks is a bit harsh, or do you think that's right? Well, he could have got up to ten. Uh, I think it's fair to say uh, he could, Zade, have gone for ten weeks uh, according to uh, the punishment guidelines. Uh, but he, they cut it in half because he's got a clean record and hasn't had uh, any problem with the judiciary as such in the past. But... Um, you know, and the fact that Michael Hooper wasn't badly injured out of it uh, was another, I guess, mitigating factor in that. But wow, just uh, I, I, I don't. What do you make of it? Like he's got a pretty lucky then. Yeah, I think the thing is what I've heard from some yep. coaches. I think Guru Jane was saying that the way they teach to tackle is tackle high, and clearly. They need to change their way they're tackling because the, the way they because clearly the rules have changed in the last two three years. What is it you have to tackle below the nipple line? From what I've heard, is, is that isn't that the rule? That is correct, uh, and it's getting lower. I think at school level, but uh, certainly uh, that is the line. Anything that uh, is around about the shoulder um, or the neck or anything of that degree uh, certainly is punishable uh, under the, today's guidelines. Yep, I think you've got it right, Sade. So clearly, so clearly, the, the coaching coaching staff need to change the, 
you know, change what they're coaching because otherwise the suspensions are going to keep happening. So I'm, I'm not sure if they can maybe, um, maybe do some more coaching from World Rugby. Maybe if they could do some coaching clinics or something, but it clearly needs to have a bit of a clean-up. And one last thing, quickly, the um, Blues back, backing um, uh, is getting a bit short this week. No Tony Atelier is gone for the rest of the season. Caleb Clark out for three weeks. Rico Iwani's not available this week, so they're a bit, um, bit low on their um, back, backs this week, the Blues. Well, I think, Zade, what you'll find too is uh, that because they're qualified top, they're guaranteed top, um, I think they might uh, pick a side which is uh, quite a long way away from their top line this weekend, and they'd be justified in doing that, I think. They'd be justified in doing that. You know, the, the old situation is you just don't want to, uh, once you've read a certain standard, you don't want to pull off and give guys too much time off because they, then, of course, uh, it can that, that standard you've had might be a little bit hard to grab back, so... Um, we'll just we'll wait and see on that on that one, Zade. But the team naming for Auckland will be interesting. But you're right, uh, a few injuries in the same area will test their resources. But they are a very very good side, and there's uh, absolutely no doubt about it for me that uh, they'll be hosting the grand final um, in around about a month's time. Zade, thanks very much for your call this morning. Always appreciate you contacting the show, mate. Um, hi, Smithy says Anthony. Um, great for Victoria McCallum to further their careers as uh, we Black Cap fans had Steve Rickson, the Aussie, a few years ago. We certainly did. We forgot about that, didn't we? Uh, Steve Rickson came in and, and took our guys. I mean, it's just it's just part and parcel. I was, I was talking to Steve James this morning from uh, England. Uh, he's a former England cricketer, now a journalist, covering uh, a lot of sports uh, on behalf of uh, the Times and uh, he was doing. He's doing an article at the moment about um, coaches from New Zealand getting appointments overseas. I think he interviewed uh, Warren Gatland as well, and he, he just uh, came out with the fact that New Zealand it just seems to be a target area, and it's it's not new. It's been going back a long time, and it was. I tried to explain to him that the, the Biz McCallum thing is slightly different in that um, it, it's because Baz is going to coach us initially. I think if he was going to coach Sri Lanka for England in the next month or two. Uh, we, we would have been mildly surprised, but we wouldn't have been overly concerned about it. The fact that he's going to coach against us, and so soon after the announcement, uh, I think is one of the one of the other reasons. Uh, Dino, good morning to you. Dean from Dunedin. Yeah, mate, I think it's great that the uh, New Zealand sporting elite are being offered outstanding jobs overseas, but that's not what I rang for this morning, Smitty. I, I sat down last night and I watched that Pacifica Force game, because obviously the Otago locals have got a bit of an invested interest in it and yeah, they're going to battle now I reckon that force, I'll just take the hat off to both teams, they played rugby the way I want to watch rugby, that last try was as good as any you'll see all season Totally agree uh, what I what I was very disappointed in though from Moana Pacifica's point of view, they'd get themselves into a reasonably good field position etc and they couldn't win a line out Dean, I mean and that, that concerns me this deep into the season, that the basics like lineouts can be so shoddy, so poor. Uh, I mean, you look it upstairs, and poor old um, Aaron Major, Philatiatia, uh, must be just thinking, what is going on down there? What? Are, how we? How can we get it? I mean, Jeremy Thrush is stealing them, Dean, and Jeremy Thrush is. Is a, is a tallish guy, but he's no giant in locking standards, and they're just getting up, and, and re- it's like they're reading their calls. Yeah, mate, it's just, well, 
you've got to be really careful what you say because we live in such a sensitive environment at the moment. But I think there's too much. They've won the dance-off competition, Mana Pacifica, and the Blues have worked it out. You've got to get the balance right. You know what I mean? Like, Romano, for me, I'd just about give him Super Player of the Year. He's transformed his career. The Blues are going outstanding. Like, I was always told by an old coach many, many moons ago who's not with us anymore, but he said, Dean, shut up. He said, um, so what game's won up front? You flash Harry's just determined by how much. And that's, that's how it's been forever. The Hurricanes had a million-dollar back line for the first 20 years of the competition and couldn't win it. The Blues have finally woken up that you've got to get the balance right. Until the Warriors get the balance right, they're not going to get a, win anything either. And it's not being disrespectful. It's factual proof that's been here since Adam was a cowboy. But last night's game for me... I guess it was a spectacle because neither team kicked the ball. Richard Carhui, I was listening to Beaver, and he was saying how sore he was after his fabulous game in Spain, and good on him for going over there and kicking a goal from the sideline. Like The guy's a legend. Went through a bit of adversity because the New Zealand public just couldn't work it out, but it takes 80 minutes to win a game of rugby, and we'll blame them for missing touch once against Australia. Just just sums us up. But Richard Carhui's the same age, and took the ball to the line, bounced off that. Um, you know, and here he would be a Pacific tackler as well. And he, you know, just, I don't know how he does it. Like he, and he's still bloody good looking too, to boot, you know, like, I don't know. And just for Jeremy Thrush, he's just a workhorse, mate. And that's what you want to see. Those young fellas, the stag got the first try. Had no money in the TAB account, otherwise I would have jumped on that as well. But that was a great game, like a great advert for running rugby. Not too many malls. Let's not kick up a touch. Let's get the ball off the ground and throw it around a bit. Like, that's what people want to see. What about the, the punishment handed out to your man, Sam Gilbert, down there? He got five weeks. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because no one really knows of it. Whereas if it was Nipo Lalala or something that has two goes at wiping out a Pacifica player, because he's an all black, what does he get? A wet bus ticket. It's just the way it is, Smith. It always has been. I mean, for me, that boy has got a definite future. I, I picked him to be in the All Blacks at the end of the year because he can play fullback as good as anybody else. And now he can obviously play 10 with a bit of, you know, ability. His goal kicking can only get better. He's got the skill set that if they want to do an educational experiment like they're doing with Rico Iwani, I think Sam Gilbert would probably pay off in the future. I'm not saying Rico won't because they can always slip him back to the left wing and he'll be one of the world's best at it, but, yeah, it's wrong. Totally wrong. Like, I mean, the tackle was dumb. He had a brain explosion, and he tackled one of the best Australians we've ever seen going around. Like, he looks like he's done five rounds with Mike Tyson every game he plays the rugby. You don't... I didn't see it, mate. I was live at the game. I actually went to the toilet when that happened, and when I came back, my mate said he'll be gone. I said, what'd he do? And then, yeah, that's what it is. Brain explosion. Not acceptable. And, it, you know, the consequences... I suppose it's a difficult one. I just think they need to have rules where if, you, if I do it and I play, you know, wicketkeeper for the Marist Senior B-side in Dunedin and you play for the white caps or black caps, whatever they're called, the, the punishment's the same. That's my argument. It's no different to referees' calls. You just want consistency. And we don't get it. But the kid's got a bright future. Dino, as always... A pleasure listening to you. Our, our listeners absolutely love listening to you as well. You wouldn't be, uh, you would be amazed at the number of texts that come in on your comments. So uh, fantastic! I think we just get you an automatic payment from the chemist warehouse actually, and just um, just uh, keep flooding it in. 
Brother, uh, have a great uh, have a great weekend, mate. Um, hope to catch up with you um, perhaps uh, during the um, maybe the Irish Test or so at that uh, what is that that Law Courts Hotel? I'd love to go there and and have a chinwag with uh, with Dean from Dunedin. I would love to do that. Uh, Bruce is there, I think, from Christchurch, fellas. Does he just give me the nod? Bruce from Christchurch. Yeah, he is. Thumbs up. Bruce, good morning to you. Good morning, uh, Ian. Um, yeah, another um, disappointing uh, tackle in that match yesterday. I'm thinking hard about this, and I'm wondering what, what's outside the obvious that is causing these. Maybe, maybe, just too many heavy impacts on the body or or head due to these guys overtraining, overplaying. But maybe it's disturbing something there, and they're having. Uh, and this isn't an excuse or anything, but maybe it's triggering something, and and they're just not in control of themselves enough. Because there's no no other obvious reason, because some of them are absolutely stupid uh, technical issues that they're doing. To go in and actually lift someone's legs in a tackle, I mean, an 8-year-old or 10-year-old knows that you don't do that. Um, Some of the the other tackles happen in a split second where people are falling down on things, but some of these stupid ones are... I just can't figure it. You know, I'm just thinking maybe maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, and here's another one. I'm happy for a Tory. He's a very, very astute cricketer. He had some very good coaching from a young age. He's a very natural, instinctive guy. Uh, thinks about the game a lot. Uh, he's pretty calm. He'll motivate players in their own individual way, which cricket needs. Um, but maybe these other countries have, uh, in a crude sort of way, figured out New Zealand have got a pretty good, maybe generational squad they're creating again. If we're going to beat these guys, maybe we need a bit of inside knowledge as well. Mm. Bruce, um, totally agree with that thought. I think our, our loss on this particular occasion with Daniel Vittori is a massive one, to be honest. Um, because they, they, the underlying factor is that they know our guys very well and our weaknesses. They, these guys are so current, so close, observers of the current New Zealand team. I mean, you don't think Brendan McCullum right here and now, he's probably on a plane actually heading uh, back to England, is writing down details about our batsman. 9.47. Uh, thanks very much for your calls this morning. We'll be back shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And thank you, Polaris, as well, for being our partners here on the show between 9 and 12 uh, every weekday morning. Uh, Ian, yeah, Dan the man, who at the end didn't spin it as much as Fleming, also uh, nearly killed a million in his career, but great cricket player as uh, yourself, Ali, is a much, much better player than me, uh, Dino from uh, Waitakere. Uh, let's hope they, they they coach the Kiwis soon after we get rid of the current coach. Well, we won't have to get rid of the current coach, Dino, at the moment because the current coach is probably the one of the better uh, international cricket coaches going around. If you look at his record and you look at the pool of talent he has, the resources he has, 
uh, I think you'll agree that um, Gary Stead is doing a mighty, mighty fine job. Uh, um, Mikey G comes in. Hi, Mikey. Uh, hi, Ian. Great experience for Vittori Fleming will be next. I think this stands New Zealand in good stead for the cricketing future once the current coach calls it quits. Crusaders Blues final or Crusaders Brumbies for my mind. Okay, so Crusaders through and through. Both would be potential, potential classics, but a sold-out Eden Park would be the best thing for the competition. Go the Red and Blacks. Mikey G, I couldn't agree more. Uh, for uh, In terms of that, I think it would be brilliant if we could uh, fill up Eden Park for a Blues Crusaders uh, final. It's nice for the Aussies to float around for a while and, and uh, you know tease us a wee bit with their abilities, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the crunch, you know what's going to happen, don't you? It's 9.53. 9.53 here on SENZ, a multi next. When it comes to sport, you don't always have to agree. So let's have a yarn. Join me, Mark Stafford, 12 to 4 weekdays, only on SENZ. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, I put some faith in Moana Pacifica's set piece uh, last night and perhaps I shouldn't have because the scrum went backwards uh, for quite some time and they just simply at the wrong time lost line out. So they just could not secure their own ball uh, and that makes it very hard to win. So in the end they didn't. Uh, so that uh, $2.20 result there went down the gurgler very quickly. Uh, today we're going to the NBA Dallas Mavericks. Last chance saloon for them. They're 3-0 down in the series to the Golden State Warriors but they are at home. I think they've got one perform- big performance in them, a buck 80. Taylor Fritz to beat uh, BZ Murales in the tennis tonight, the French Open. Uh, and the men's side of the draw, Taylor Fritz at a buck 45. And the Royal Challengers Bangalore to beat Lucknow tonight in their playoff game in the IPL. So Mike Hesson, I'm with you in Bangalore at uh, $1.95. That a result uh, would uh, bring you back uh, $5.08. Pretty handy for going into the weekend uh, later on in the piece. Uh, look, Chris Key after the break, we're going to be talking rugby league. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well... Rugby league fans are a passionate bunch. We know that because of the number of texts and calls that come through to uh, our show from our various listeners across the day. You have your team, you stand by them through thick and thin, and even uh, if it feels like the team is seeing a a player every week depart as the losses stack up in the case of the Warriors. That sense of tribalism is strong, it seems, within the NRL. If you're lucky, you can turn that passion into a job. And one person who's done that is our very next guest, Chris Key. He co-hosts The Ditch, a new show that starts tonight on Sky Sport. Uh, Chris, welcome to SENZ in the mornings. Exciting time for you and The Ditch. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all, Ian. Um, it's, it is massively exciting. As you said, we rugby league fans are so passionate about our sport. It kind of borders on punishing for anyone that likes any other sport. Um, so to somehow turn it into a career like I've managed to, to pull off is uh, so it's, I'm going to say it's probably the number one highlight of my life so far. Um, and the show that is debuting tonight, it's going to be on Sky Sport 1. 
at 8 o'clock, the thing that's awesome about it is we're concentrating on um, basically a big group of people that I think are undercated for. First of all, we've got uh, Māori and Pacific Island players, which make up 45% of all players in the NRL. And secondly, we're also showing the spotlight on teams that aren't the Warriors because there are so many Kiwis playing and you know, the 15 other clubs, soon to be 16 in the NRL, that uh, I feel like they're a bit undercated for and people want to hear more from them. So, uh, yeah, but exciting time. Okay, just explain the format of the show to us then, Chris, and, and what an um, episode one, what, what, what we're likely to see tonight as such. Right, so the format's quite cool. What Sky have decided to do, and Smithy, you'll know this, you've, you know, you've been around Sky, it's, it's quite, it can be quite an intimidating place to bring in like grassroots players and players that aren't used to TV. You know, you come in, you hop in the green room there, which is where you get your makeup done. It's quite an intimidating place. So we've actually taken this to South Auckland. We're shooting it out of a garage in Mangere, which is quite awesome. They've kitted it out and made it look awesome. So it's all legit. Um, we, we get players around. We have a barbecue with them beforehand to uh, sort of mellow them out. Uh, this first episode tonight, we're going to see uh, Jordan Carhu, former Bronco, former Cowboy, also representing New Zealand, playing for the Kiwis. He's bringing another former Bronco over, Jack Reed, who's originally of uh, English birth. He's coming over to actually get immersed in uh, Māori culture. He's going to go to Jordan's Marae and Whakatane. Uh, also, Jordan hasn't seen his mum in three years, thanks to COVID and other rugby league commitments and things like that. Uh, also, We've decided to start a brand new segment where we're going to be hopping in the kitchen with various players from the NRL and NRLW. Uh, tonight, I'm attempting to cook bacon and eggs with uh, Sam Lissone, who used to play for the Warriors. He's now at the Titans. And it uh, became apparent very quickly that it was the first time he's actually ever walked into a kitchen and turned on a, uh, a stove before, so that's quite entertaining. Um, and also, we've got a couple of stars from the uh, NRLW as well, both Kiwis, um, both living in South Auckland originally. Uh, now they play for the Newcastle Knights. We've got uh, Anessa Nualsala, who's a barnstorming front rower and actually won Player of the Year for the Knights this year. And then we've also got uh, Caitlin Bahakolo, who's uh, an awesome winger who was literally playing for the Tiaratu Roosters. Uh, and then a year later, got snapped up to play for the Kiwis and in the Knights. So uh, some ex- exciting stories to be told tonight. Chris, uh, sometimes when you try to put these shows together, it's very hard to get a buy-in from the players, uh, from the people close to the game. But judging by this guest list tonight, you're not having an issue there. Well, one thing we found, and that's dead right, you know, because it's a really tricky balance to strike between, you know, TV presenters like myself who literally could not handle even playing one minute of rugby league, you know, and trying to... Strike the balance right between trying to be mates with the players but also trying to keep a professional respect what they've achieved in their life. Um, and we've managed to somehow, using food, you know, bringing them in, having a yarn with them beforehand, we've managed to uh, make them realise that this is more of a laid-back rugby league show. It's not analytical at all. I mean, you know, I try to force in some stats and things that I get shut down quite quickly. Um, and another thing we've got is we've managed to bring on, as I mentioned, Jordan Pahu from the Broncos, uh, he's now retired um, due to various uh, health issues he did have. He's a videographer. He's based in Australia. And he's basically, um, not only is he filming stuff for us, he's also organising interviews just by calling NRL superstars. He'll just ring them and say, hey, bro, uh, you could have to come to a story with us? Um, so that's been really good to get by, and it's having someone like Jordan there to sort of um, wrangle his mates for us. Okay. Um, what would it take... I mean, a lot of you guys who are into your rugby league teams as such, I mean, there's passion in rugby as well. There's no doubt about that. 
but some of you guys take a lot of punishment as supporters. What would it take for you <laughs> not to be a not to be a warrior supporter, or are you a lifer? Um, that's a good question, Smithy. Originally, I was a diehard Super Rugby fan. I mean, I, I haven't played a second of league. I played 15 years of rugby union, you know. So I'm actually a recent convert about five or six years ago. Um, and I think the key is just to be realistic about the Warriors. And you've got to say, we're one team taking on 15 Aussie teams. You know, a lot of those Aussie players, like Matt Lodge, who just left the Warriors, they don't even want to be based in New Zealand. So we're fighting an uphill battle. Um, and when you keep that in mind, and then you also keep in mind that the day the Warriors win the grand final, if that should ever happen, is going to be one of the biggest days in New Zealand sport. You think about all that, you, you know, it's very much big picture stuff. So that way, when you're watching them on the weekend, get absolutely pants, you can still hold it together. <laughs> but it's a tough one. It's a tough one, all right, too. And there's all sorts of um, equivalent events that I can think of, um, some of which uh, I can't mention on the show. Uh, will probably happen before that happens. So we'll just leave it at that in terms of that, Chris. Hey, look, obviously you've been on the road. Uh, you've been uh, having to do a lot of research behind the scenes, etc., and a lot of filming overseas. Um, but you, you've been to, uh, I understand you've been to a, a franchise that doesn't even really have a history yet, the Dolphins. What happened there? That's right. So the, uh, the Dolphins are going to be part of the NRL next year, which is exciting. I mean, it makes it awkward because it's going to go from 16 to 17 teams, so there will likely be a bye each week. Um, but what was interesting, Smithy, is the Redcliffe Dolphins, they aren't NRL level yet. However, when we headed out there, there's a massive, giant complex and stadium. It's the one the Warriors are playing out of at the moment. And this is for a team that's one level below the NRL. And, you know, if like Mount Smart is... You know, it's one of my favourite places in New Zealand. You know, it's an awesome place. But even comparing the likes of Mount Smart and what the Warriors have got set up, it's like this Dolphin side, it's almost as if they're already NRL ready. Um, we were getting shown around there by an absolute Dolphin legend, uh, Petro Seminaceva. We were waiting in the car park. Unfortunately, in the last minute, he had to postpone, as many of these uh, former players and current players like doing. Um, but we managed to get shown around their facilities there and just get a bit of an insight before they actually uh, join the competition next year. But as I say, uh, Ian, the thing that blew my mind is just the level of professionalism and uh, just money as well behind these clubs, even though they're in reserve grade. Didn't see Cameron Munster in the car park, did you, pulling in uh, at any stage while you were <laughs> filming? And uh, uh, what, what do you think his future is? Uh, no, trust me, I was keeping my eyes peeled for any uh, potential players heading to uh, go under Wayne Bennett at the Dolphins there. I don't know with Cameron Munster. He's, um, he's obviously taken things seriously this year at the Storm. Uh, he wasn't offered a contract of his liking by the Storm, so he's decided to take things seriously. He's been playing absolutely out of his skin. And the issue uh, I'm hearing from a lot of the players while I was over there is based on who the Redcliffe Dolphins have now, there's not a lot of draw for uh, current players to join them outside of Wayne Bennett. You know, you look at the players they've signed. They've signed a few wingers and they've signed a first, uh, sorry, a 5'8 who, you know, is playing in the reserves for um, the Panthers and Sean O'Sullivan. Um, but they haven't really put together enough big pieces yet to lure people like Cameron Mustard to the club. So to be honest, until they make that breakthrough with one of those star players, I think it's going to be quite a tough start for them. What about the Broncos, uh, Chris? Um, and I think that their form this year uh, has surprised uh, a lot of people, but it seems that uh, Kevin Walters has found the formula there. 
Smitty, the thing about the Broncos that's absolutely heartbreaking is, you know, they were last year and the year before, you know, they had fans showing up to their practice facility and throwing actual wooden spoons onto their field at the end of the season. Um, they've managed to go from that to a genuine top eight side who are not only, you know, tackling, defending well, they're scoring exciting tries, they've recruited well, they've got all these youngsters in their back line who are out-and-out stars and are barely 20 years of age. The thing that breaks my heart about them, Smithy, is that's exactly where I wish the Warriors, you know, we've been in a similar position for years now and we still haven't managed to put together that young core and start developing and turning things around. Um, I've been, I was at the Broncos facilities uh, a couple of weeks back and there's just, once again, it's just an air of importance. Um, you know, you can tell you're at one of the home, the home clubs of one of the most historic teams in rugby league. So, as you said, what Kevin Walters has managed to do there is uh, basically what the Warriors have been trying to do for 20 years. So it's awesome to see, but it's also incredibly heartbreaking. And on that subject too... Um, to Mighty Martin, now there's a bloke you wouldn't mind getting on uh, the, the ditch because what a great story that is to sit over a, you know, a, a sausage or a bit of bacon or something and just chat where he's been and where he's come back to. Yes, well, that's a good point you bring up there. and we'll, uh, We've actually managed to catch up with Tomati Martin and he's going to be on a future episode of the ditch, um, maybe episode two or three in the coming weeks. It's a fantastic story, um, Smithy. He was told he was no longer allowed to play in the NRL. He had to retire from a head knock, which then turned into a brain bleed. Um, and this is a guy who, I think he was 24 or 23 at the time that it happened. So that's, you know, your dreams literally stolen away from you. He moved back home. He was living in the Waikato there. Um, you know, a year or so later, he decided to play in the, the national competition. I think he was playing down in Huntley and, you know, the grassroots there. And then all of a sudden... He uh, had an absolute barnstormer playing for the Waikato side, uh, got scouted to come back. He got uh, pulled into the Broncos squad. He was covering a lot of positions because he's a utility like that. Um, they've had a few injuries at fullback. Tamaiti has been, his, his career has been revived um, from such a, a horrible finish to his career to now being back fully healthy, fully able to play. And not only that, He's been doing wonders, as you said, for that Broncos side, which has turned things around. So it's an amazing story, and we can't wait to tell it in a few weeks' time. I'd like you to get the story on Matt Lodge, what goes wrong, uh, on in that brain. Could you uh, manage to get him on one of your episodes? <laughs> That's, I mean, that, what a fascinating... Um, I mean, the Warriors in itself is a program, to be fair, and you, and you could make an episode a week out of what happens, but th- <laughs> that uh, actually is quite a bizarre situation, from mine anyway. Oh, 100%. So Matt Lodge is, uh, before he was signed by the Warriors, he was in my top three list of players I could not stand. You know, he had some off-field issues. And let's get things straight, he's a fantastic front rower. You know, I've enjoyed seeing him do work through the middle for the Warriors, get up and go forward. Um, but for him to willingly and knowingly sign with the Warriors while we're based in Redcliffe and uh, pull out just as the Warriors are about to return home for their first home game because he doesn't want to live in New Zealand, I mean... I think it tells you a lot about the bloke that he is. He's a fantastic footballer. Um, by all accounts, he leads with his play on the field. But off-field, I do think he could be uh, the opposite of what the Warriors want, Smithy. I mean, I want someone to play for the Warriors who, even if they're not a huge name, even if they're not a superstar, they're willing to go out there and play 100% for the Warriors. I mean, living in New Zealand, it's not that bad. It's pretty damn nice over here. Um, so for him to be able to you know, sign willingly and say yes, I'm keen to play for the Warriors. I'll take this big money. I'll play for you guys. And then just as the team's about to return to New Zealand to pull out and say, I don't want to live here. 
Um, it just goes to show the kind of guy that he is. And to be honest, I, as I said, I'd rather not have guys like that. Doesn't matter how good they are at playing footy. Um, I'd rather have guys who are absolutely dedicated to uh, helping the Warriors get wins and develop the future. Chanel Harris David is another interesting one. I see he's named in the squad this week, and uh, uh, the uh, at this stage and early on the run run on side of things, he's a uh, a bloke who uh, is in the headline for saying he's he's, he's going to give the game away basically for a while at the end of the season. And they've also had to shift uh, to Jazz Tavaga to prop. Uh, Freddie Lusick has to come in and start at hooker. Um, you know, yeah. it's just every week. Um, and you could chew the fat and make a, a, any kind of program over just the Warriors' makeup. <laughs> yeah, you really could. And uh, as a fan, it is tough to see sometimes on the Tuesday when the team list comes out and you're thinking, what the heck's going on here? It's completely different to last week. Um, that, it's, that's a good point. I do think the uh, the recent signing, Dinamis Louie, who's, uh, I think he's a 32-year-old bloke. He's played Origin. Um, admittedly, he just came off the bench for 20 minutes, but still, you know, he's good enough to get to that representative level of footy. He's an incredibly experienced player. He's been playing for the Dolphins in reserve grade and playing really well. He's, that's where the Warriors are based right now, so he can plug straight in. I wouldn't be surprised to see um, him get names, uh, maybe either on the interchange or even maybe starting at prop, just because Jazz Devang, I mean, he can play any position under the sun, but you don't really want him um, coming off the back end for you. Um, and Chanel Harris-Savita as well, he's... There's something, something with the Warriors where you get these young players. Shadow Harris Savita, 2017, you know, Warriors Junior Player of the Year. So it's a guy with, who from a young age has shown an immense amount of talent. Um, similar guys like Isaiah Papali'i who are now at the Eels. And, you know, you can write a massive list of players that were at the Warriors and are now doing amazing things once they've left. I do worry Chanel's another one of those players. Um, I mean, to be fair, he did rupture a testicle, so that's enough to make anyone have a long, hard think about, you know, taking a year off, whatever their job may be. Uh, but I do kind of fear that he's going to say he's going to go on a break and he might start, and then he's going to get snapped up by another team. Maybe it's the Dolphins, I don't know. Um, and then he'll start shining. So, as you say, Smithy, yes, every week there's a friggin' storyline uh, on the Warriors, and most of the time it's not a good one. Uh, and it's on. Uh, they'll all be on the ditch from here on in, folks. We've been talking to Chris Key. Excuse me, Chris. I'll just have a <coughs> cough. Uh, that's tonight. Just confirming. Eight o'clock tonight on Channel Fifty One. Yeah. That's right. Sky Sport One. Eight o'clock tonight and uh, every week as well, every Wednesday and free to wear as well. So if you don't have you know Sky Digital, you can still watch it on Prime. Seven PM every Friday. Chris, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. Uh, I wish you all the very best with your new show. I think the concept will work brilliantly. Look forward to episode one tonight. Thank you, mate. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No, no problem at all. Chris Key there. His show tonight begins uh, debuts at uh, 8 o'clock on Sky Sport, uh, Channel 51, uh, getting alongside uh, some of the players and the characters of the NRL on a more social basis, uh, travelled across to Australia, done a lot of uh, interviews already in the can, uh, and it sounds to me like a really exciting show and a great concept on a terrific subject. Uh, We'll be back very shortly, speaking of subjects, with some new ones for the panel today, Uh, and today our panel consists of Alex Chapman and Hamish Bidwell. This morning uh, from News Hub, and uh, Hamish Bidwell, um, a very, very well-known sports writer, has been for quite some time around the country on a number of issues, does some great opinion pieces as well. Uh, Hamish uh, Bidwell, uh, can I start with you this morning? Uh, A week or so ago, it was all about uh, 
Brendan McCullum heading across to coach England, of course. Now uh, we find out Daniel Vittori is going to Australia. It's slightly more under the radar, or is it not for you? I'm not hearing uh, Hamish in my headphones, so perhaps we'll try to get Hamish back again um, on the line, um, re-get Hamish there on that issue. Alex, uh, Alex, good morning to you as well. Uh, would you have um, an opinion on Dan Vittori going to Australia? Does that hurt as much as uh, uh, Brendan McCullum going to England? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, to be honest, I, I have no pain with either. I think both are fantastic decisions by two great cricketing minds, and uh, the, the advantage that Vittori has, probably a bit more so than, than Brendan does, is uh, it lays probably quite an, a handy platform to be able to go in, learn a different system, understand some different players, and then who knows what's going to happen with Gary Stead back here post next year's World Cup. So it could time out quite nicely for for Daniel Vittori. At, at the end of the day, those two jobs, the England job and being involved in the Australian system, yes, it's, and it's as an assistant coach, but a head coach as well, um, are probably two of the biggest, what would you say, four, maybe five jobs in the world, chucking a couple of IPL roles as well, uh, and, and the Indian jobs. So good on Daniel Vittori for going in there and having a crack. I have no um, ill will towards him at all. And that... Doesn't matter, Alex, either uh, in terms of the result. Doesn't worry you either if England were to get up and knock us over or uh, Vittori was given great praise for his strategies against New Zealand. Would that worry you? Uh, no, I don't think so. At the end of the day, you're just going to play each ball, don't you? And, and that's very cliche, I know. But at the end of the day, it, it is cricket. You have to be able to go out and just do what you can regardless of who is coaching the team rather than who is strategizing against your team you just need to outthink them so no 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 blemishes whatsoever as far as i'm concerned good on uh, okay hamish bidwell hopefully we've got you this time around hamish uh, your thoughts on uh vittori going to australia is that is that a big deal i think it's a big deal for us yeah i think um we need to start getting smarter about how we do it we can't lose our best Brightest cricketing minds to other nations, to other franchises. We, I think we need to split up the coaching and we think we need to spend some money on it to get our elite guys like Fleming, Bond, McCullum, Vittori wanting to be involved with New Zealand. Um, I don't see a lot of good coaching at development levels in New Zealand. I see a lot of well-bowled, uh, well-bowled good shock sort of coaches who throw a lot of balls and keep guys happy and don't rock any boats. But I, I don't think we have the player pool to rest on our laurels as far as coaching goes. And I think it's hellishly disappointing that we're losing guys like that to other nations. Um, you know, I just think we need to be smarter. We have innovated in terms of uh, terms of playing, the way we played the game, but we don't seem to be moving at all as far as coaching is concerned. Um, you know, I, 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 have, I have grave fears. You know, aside from qualifying South Africans to play for New Zealand, I don't know what their development strategies are. You know, the, the Black Caps themselves have been quite play lead in recent years, and that's worked well, but that group of players, starting with Taylor, and there'll be a few others that follow, are going to leave, and we don't actually have a lot left behind. And so, coaching is going to be critical, and we're losing our best minds elsewhere. Uh, Hamish, is it just coincidental, or maybe the age time of things? But all those guys came basically from the same team. We're talking about there: Bond, Fleming, Vittori, McCullum, all played together. They did, and they had guys like Steve Rickson and John Bracewell coach them, guys who weren't just 
uh, guys who kept people happy, but guys who actually challenged them, brought in different ideas, made things hard, set standards. And I, I just don't see that. I think the Black Caps are a really comfortable team. They remind me of a club team in, in many ways with the cool guys rule. And, uh, and you're able to sort of do what you like. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see a big shake-up there. I don't, I don't want to be too critical of Gary Stead, but I just think New Zealand cricket have to be doing better here. Haven't heard anything um, uh, about the, the, the White Ferns coach, Hamish, yet. Uh, we've got a Commonwealth Games in around about 60 days, 63 days. Uh, we're taking part in in Birmingham. I have not seen a peep uh, about the White Ferns basically since the World Cup. No, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the, the coaches at the first class level or in the, the lower tiers of the New Zealand system. I just don't see any um, really exciting or credible candidates. Um, I, I actually, yeah, I, I'd be if I were New Zealand cricket, I'd be moving heaven and earth too late now for guys like McCullum and Vittori, but they need to get some of that expertise, some of our elite coaches involved because we're not good enough just to, to go along as we are. Okay, Amish Bidwell and Alex Chapman with us uh, this morning on the panel. Take a short break for Araha's uh, 10.30 update, and then we'll be back with uh, two or three other issues. It is uh, coming up to 10.30. Worried about children being concussed or hurt. They're not going to play rugby, and we by oath we need them to play because that's where we get our next generation of talent from. Well, Hamish, your, your boy goes, as you say, to Herowith, which is, sporting-wise in particular, is a very organised school in terms of participation and insistent that the boys get some healthy activity as such. That's not always the case around other schools in Hawke's Bay. Um, uh, what are you finding at schoolboy participation in rugby? Uh, it's, it's a real mixture. He's, he's playing an open grade, so there's um, some big units out there. The clubs are not as organised, so he plays for a school, as, as you know, and you've probably had children go through there, um, but they play against club teams and they're slightly less organised and slightly less resourced than Herowith. Um there's some outstanding athletes out there, but there are some kids who badly need help and they are probably playing under sufferance a little bit. And there are clubs that, that you know, are really doing it hand-to-mouth um, to try and just put boots on people's feet by the looks of things. Um, yeah, here worth a lucky, but, but uh, they're an exception, I would have thought. OK, uh, Alex, uh, we saw another super game last night. In fact, there was a dangerous tackle in that that went uh, only as far as a sin, but I think it could have perhaps gone for a wee bit more with Richard Kahui on the receiving end. Uh, but at uh, second last game, uh, that was for uh, Moana Pacifica. If I ask you for a report card, Alex, going into the competition, bearing in mind all the things I've had to put up with, plus uh, a late chance to organise and recruit players, uh, wh- wh- what would your report card say? Um, <laughs> tried, put in good effort, failed to execute when necessary. And that has just plagued Moana Pacifica all season and Aaron Major, their coach, has mentioned that throughout the season as well in post-match press conferences is that just those little moments keep costing them, whether it's a lapse on defence or a silly mistake which results in a turnover and then the opposition team going down the other end of the field, uh, whether it's a handling error inside their own 22 which results in a try being scored off the scrum. It's just those very, very little things and 100% they have had by far a harder season than anyone else. They had to, first of all, had a delayed start in terms of going into camp. I think they only had a couple of weeks together before they actually uh, went down to Queenstown. Then, obviously, a lot of their players and staff got COVID, so they missed a few games, and they're still having to make them up now. So, in terms of an overall grade, probably a C, C plus, 
Um, they they pass, but okay. it's, it's by no means been exceptional, and I've probably been a little bit disappointed by them, if anything. Okay, Hamish, what about you? And perhaps you can throw Drua and Fiji and Drua into the mix there as well, Hamish. Yeah, I, I give them a seven out of ten. Uh, I think they're um, they're not competing on a level playing field in terms of talent. You watch one of Pacifica last night. It's a very direct game. It's a very basic game. It relies a lot on effort. Um, you know, you put guys with some craft in there from the other teams, like uh, like Kahui Lava team last night, like Kahui and Thrush, and you have a different team. Guys with experienced guys who know how to prepare to be professional rugby players, guys who can help keep teams honest to a game plan, guys who can help um, make sure, put high standards on their on their teammates, they'd be a different team. So I think in terms of what they've got and the position they were put in, I think both teams have done remarkably well. Amos, should the Blues rest their players? I mean, they're guaranteed top. They've got a trip to, uh, I think it's Leichhardt Oval this weekend. Uh, if you're Leon McDonald, what are you thinking in terms of your, your players? Oh, if I'm Leon Mack, I'm, I'm resting everyone I can, but if I'm a punter, as I am, uh, rugby needs good players sitting games out like a hole in the head. You know, we, we have enough of that as it is with prescribed rest weeks and, and sabbaticals and all the, the rest of it. No, I, I'd like to see the best players out there as often as I can. I find it hellishly disappointing when I turn on a game and I see that four or five of the better players aren't out there. It's some... Um, it demeans the product, it demeans the competition, and it disillusions fans, unfortunately. Alex, uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, I think it would probably demean the product a bit more by not having Bowden Barrett in the playoffs if he was to get injured this week, for example, and then you don't have him for the entire playoffs rather than a, a game against the Waratahs, which, yeah, means something for the hosts, but means nothing for the Blues going forward. Interestingly, Unlike the Crusaders who stayed in Australia for their entire three-week road trip, the Blues have come back this week. Um, from what I understand, it's because Leon McDonald likes having full team contact training, so 15 v 15, for example, and having been to a few Blues trainings this season, it, it is high intensity. But it's handy as well that he doesn't have to take a 27-man squad, I think it would have been, to Australia for two weeks and has this luxury now of being able to say to someone like, a Bowden Barrett or a Dalton Papali'i or a Roger Tuivasa-Shek, hey, just stay home for the week. Just spend some time with your family. Just rest yourself. It's going to be three very busy, hectic, high-intensity weeks. Just stay and enjoy. And I think if we didn't have this farcical top eight in Super Rugby, we had a, we had a top six instead in terms of the top two would get the bye for the first round of the playoffs. We wouldn't have as much of an issue heading into this week in terms of resting players because the Blues, for example, having finished top, would have had a week off anyway. That has been an interesting point, actually, Hamish Bidwell, and I've heard a lot of comment about this. Uh, a team where the playoffs are top-heavy um, compared to the number of teams in the actual uh, competition as such. Uh, so making the top eight, and uh, you, you, you feel kind of stiff if you're in the bottom four, but, man, you can squeeze in with a pretty average record, a la the Highlanders. It's uh, shades of everyone gets a prize. Uh, there's no winners or losers. Let's not even keep the score as we've had in some sort of junior sport. And I'm, I'm totally against it. It's not a participatory competition. It's an elite competition and you should make making the playoffs an elite achievement. Right, OK, let's uh, turn our attention to the other hot topic we get on this station, which, of course, is the Warriors. Um, and it just goes, Hamish, uh, week by week, you just wait for the next chapter to be written, to be fair. 
Um, I mean, you could do a uh, you could do a, a, a movie. It wouldn't be a very good one. Uh, a movie on this Warriors team this season alone. Yeah, um, they're a bit of an irrelevance, aren't they? They're, they're poorly run. They're poorly coached. It doesn't matter who's in the team this week. Well, it does matter because there's no Matt Lodge and there's no Adam Fanua Blake, and I can't see them, you know, achieving much. But luckily, it's such a mediocre competition. You know, we talk about expansion. Hell's teeth. There's only talent for 12 or 14 good teams in the NRL. I'm afraid there's too many like the Warriors that are making up the numbers and like the Knights that are playing this weekend. So they'll have a chance of beating the Knights because they're a similarly poor team. But it's not a great advertisement for sport. It's, you know, it's not the competition that I grew up watching. Uh, I felt that it was a fierce competition every week where you didn't know who was going to win. And I just think, you know, this time you can predict most results because there's so many bad teams. Alex Chapman, I've got a feeling, um, as Hamish has pointed out, they're playing the Newcastle Knights this weekend. If they don't win this, um, that could be the end of the penny section all round because they've got some uh, pretty tough games coming up. And it's a real shame as well because that return home is just on the horizon. And that, look, regardless of where they sit on the table, they'll probably get a packed out Mount Smart. But you want them to be heading back home or coming back home on a high, pushing towards the playoffs, playing really fun, attractive footy so that when they do play at home, everyone's getting amongst it because of how the team's playing or because of their results, not just because the team is finally coming home after two years away. So it, it's disappointing. I, I think the season potentially is already over for the Warriors with how they're playing, never mind the results. It's, it's a lack of intent at times. And how often have we had that discussion on a, on a Monday or a Sunday after a Warriors game that it looked like half of the guys just gave up. And it's, it's really disappointing because I, I love when the Warriors are playing well. And I think regardless of their results, social media is rife with, um, or not rife, it's a negative connotation, filled with thoughts and passion and feeling whenever the Warriors do anything. They could have a glass of water and someone would have a take about it. But they need to, at the end of the day, be winning. And not making the playoffs again would be a massive disappointment, I think. Hey, Miss Bidwell, thank you very much for your participation this morning. Alex Chapman, before I let you go, um, I'm amazed at your sporting, the depth of your sporting knowledge because uh, is anything apart from trackside ever on in your television where you're living? <laughs> Just to explain to the listeners, because apparently this needs to become public, I live with Louis Herman Watt, so uh, and have done for a very you flat long with time. You so. flat, you flat with you, you flat with him. <laughs> Let's get this right. You flat with him. <laughs> Louis is a great person. Um, I love him dearly, but yes, trackside is often on in our home. But hey, if it means I'm winning money, Smithy, then I'm not going to be complaining, am I? And <laughs> thankfully, we 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 work in uh, different times of the day as well, so I don't always have to be there. <laughs> yeah, get in quick while he's not there. Good on you, Alex. Thanks very much for your participation this morning, and to you, Hamish. Of course, we'll have another panel at the same time tomorrow morning. It's ten forty-five here on SENZ. Side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, we can tell you Dino won the Chemist uh, Warehouse voucher this morning. Uh, The boys, Joey and uh, Brian, had a good long think about it and uh, they deliberated. And Dino from Dunedin has uh, won it, uh, not for the first time, but he is a major contributor to uh, our shows across the board. Uh, So congratulations, Dean. And uh, you can be in, of course, tomorrow. 
uh, just after 9.30 and get your uh, shot at winning one as well. So uh, please uh, feel free to take part. Uh, and we'll give you some issues to talk about tomorrow morning. Something will crop out, uh, crop up throughout the day. Our issues today have been uh, basically around uh, Daniel Vittori now going to Australia as, as much as other things. Uh, Smithy McCullum, Vittori, Fleming, Hess and Bond are all more than happy to accept roles offshore. The IPL guys are obviously happy doing 12 weeks' work and earning millions, but when we are now losing them to other nations for full-time roles, it is scary. Apart from Peter Fulton at Canterbury, who are our younger coaches coming through? Big issue going forward. Don't know. End of story. Uh, I really I have no idea uh, about that because... Uh, it worries me. Uh, I know there's a few uh, names of people that have been floating around a while, uh, but uh, in terms of the coaching setup, I know we've had uh, a lot of South African influence in coaching, particularly in the Central Districts area in particular. So, yeah, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we've got Louis uh, Herman Watt, the flatmate of Alex Chapman, and uh, we have also um, got Pip Morris from the TAB. Number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Very quick chat to Louis Herman Watt this morning. I know he's been a busy boy in meetings and whatever, and we've always already been talking to a representative from his household this hour, so that's cool. So all we need to know from you, uh, they're racing at Vondelay today, Avondale, 10 races, first at 11.21. Just need one. Just need one, Louis. Race 7, Smithy, number 9, Darcy's Queen, won her last start, and I just couldn't see her after breaking her maiden have any issue with going bang again. McNabb, tick, barrier 3, tick. Lauren Brennan gets her horses nice and fit, ready to go, and she was just so good. Um, last start, the Darcy Brahma mare. I don't think she'll have an tr- issue with the heavy 10 at all, considering she got through it last time. Disappointed to see uh, the well-backed Tiakao runner in race number four scratched out. $6 into four fifty in the blink of an eye for rare company. So I guess it's just a bottomless track and they don't want to take risks. We will keep an eye out for rare company another day. But Darcy's queen, race seven, Smithy. Good on you, Louis. Thank you very much. Uh, can we go across now to the TAB? Yes, we can, and talk to Pip Morris. Good morning, Pip. Uh, means a busy day for you. Wednesday, Palmerston North Greyhounds, 10 races beginning uh, just after midday. Good morning, Smithy. Yes, certainly is. And we've got a really nice field to look forward to with Jean and Dave Fahey bringing up some visitors, including Tatan, going over the 650 metres. I don't think you want to miss uh, her going around there. Really nice race later on, too, with Tap Out Classy up against the Power Warrior there. So I'd be checking if too. And on the sports side of things, of course, basketball again to the fore today. There's been 4,000 on Dallas City to cover the 1.1 starting there at 190. And a $2,000 multi on Dallas head to head and Boston head to head tomorrow to return 6.4,000. So good luck to that one puncher. Of course, you can get involved in the same game claim, play the three league or more same game multi. And if you missed by that one leg, you can get a refund up to $50 as a bonus bet in your account. So do check that out. Much to look forward to. Really looking forward to it. You calling any today, Pip? I am. I'm calling the last four, Smithy, and that really nice race with tip-out class over the 4-5-7. Look forward to it, Pip. Uh, all the best with that. Uh, coming up to 11 o'clock here on SENZ.
Uh, in the last hour, we're going to begin it with one of the greats of uh, all-black rugby and Auckland rugby as well, A.J. Allen Wetton, uh, absolute superstar, uh, brilliant broadcaster as well in his own right. What about the Blues? What about the loose forward situation? What about an all-black captain? It's 11 o'clock. Selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is 11.03 here on SENZ, and I've been looking forward to getting this bloke on the wireless uh, for quite some time. He is a character, but he has been a great servant of New Zealand rugby and Auckland rugby as well. He's all black number 853, 65 appearances in the black jersey, but for Auckland as well, a legendary career spanning around 13 years in the golden era, the golden era of Auckland rugby. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the show AJ Wetton, Alan Wetton. Good morning to you, mate. Smithy, I could do with introductions like that every day of the week, mate. Jeepers, what a cracker. That's right. I'll send you an invoice. Uh, here's the thing, uh, AJ. Uh, <laughs> um, look, I, I just mentioned the word golden era, um, and it was. You, you played in the great times. Uh, but we're going through a bit of an era now, with the Blues in particular. They're on a bit of a heater, as they say, in the modern vernacular. 12 in a row. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, let's not call it an era because we had a big era of around about 16 years or 17 years without anything. So it's a start in the right direction. And uh, I think Auckland in general, uh, whether you're rugby supporters or just sports people, are just enjoying the time in the sun because it's been a long time coming. Um, I'm really keen to see uh, down the business end of the season if they continue that uh, rich vein of form. Okay, so what has been the formula? We've got Leon McDonald, Tom Coventry, and Dan Halangahu, and of course uh, Joe Smith overseeing proceedings. Um, is, is, has that been the secret? Oh, you've got to give credit where it's due. Um, it wasn't easy for Leon McDonald to come in, um, especially a summer, a crusader. Um, but uh, you need time for city. And, and I, when you're under the pump, especially um, in Auckland, the Blues haven't had the results. Uh, that uh, people demanded, um, it gets a wee bit tricky. So I think his um, time's been their biggest uh, ally, and uh, it's just come to fruition. It's like anything. You've just got to, you know, bed yourself down, find your way around the environment, and um, and bring to the table his skills and, and, and the culture he's trying to establish with his crew. So big uh, ups to them. They deserve a lot of credit. Uh, it has uh, taken some time, and now we're seeing the benefits of it. Um, and I, I think um, at times we forget about the coaches. So uh, fair cop to them. OK, let's uh, look at the style of rugby, the brand of rugby that they're playing. Um, do you see a Joe Smith influence in there this year? Or, as you say, is it just a, a progression? Yeah, that's a good call. I think it's a, a bit of both, a combination of both. I think uh, anyone with Joe Smith there is uh, on the right path. I mean... It, He's a rugby man, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's got the pedigree, he's got the history, and I think he's certainly got the respect. And when you mention his name in, in, in the company out there in rugby land, people take notice. And um, I think they've got a great attribute there in, in, in Joe Smith. And it's just the start. Um, obviously, he's sending some pinch marks, but he's just got that brain, but like Smithy. Um, Craig Smith, isn't he? You know, I mean, he's, he's just quite a unique person. So um, that's uh, obviously a big plus for them. And I guess they're brand in rugby um, at times, but maybe help us go a bit. Um, they've just got that confidence. I think success comes confidence. And um, 
you, you, you take opportunities that possibly you might when you're under the pump and things have been going a bit downhill. Uh, and they back themselves. Um, got a very good squad um, off the bench, which helps also. And, yeah, I just think it's a, a fun time for them. They're enjoying it. And when you enjoy your sport, um, you seem to get those results go your way. And we saw that last week against the Brumbies. Um, you know, they just hung in there and all of a sudden, bang, a nice try to win the match. And that's, you know, proven winners. So I think they've certainly got the formula there. Um, and they've just got to keep producing it now for the next two or three weeks. AJ, um, you played in a, a terrific loose forward contingent. I, I think it's fair to say. Sir Michael was there, Zinni, uh, yourself, uh, others uh, helping out when need be. But uh, the crux of it was an excellent, excellent combination. Are you seeing that in the loose forwards for the Blues? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I had a bit of hesitancy at first because there seemed to be quite a few changes. I know the game's changed in that way, Zinni, and... You know, we have um, subs, a lot of subs that come on, and I guess that's due to the physicality of the game and where they are. So I understand that. Um, but it is about combinations, and you're getting regular names. It's not about people coming out and you say, well, who, where's he come from? You know, the likes of so Tutu, you've got Papali'i, you've got Iona, you've got the boy Segner now, you've got Robert who can obviously play lock, uh, you know, a good cover. So you've got consistency, and when you get consistency... It, it just gives you that confidence with your true is coming into that trio. You know each other's game to a degree. Um, you can feed off each other. And uh, it just works. It's called combination. And uh, I think that's what the Lucys have got at the moment. It's that regular consistency in selection, knowing you're on for 60 and coming off. Uh, but at least um, you know the guys around you and you've played a lot of rugby with them. You talked uh, to a number of names here, but two in particular of interest to me. Uh, one was... Uh, Hoskins Satutu, a uh, lot talked about when he first came into the fold. The other one, of course, is Akira Ioane, um, and uh, had a tendency to perhaps uh, just drift uh, in and out uh, of, of yep. matches. Um, uh, is that fair comment, and, and, and have they addressed that? I think you had it right on the head. There was uh, inconsistency, and, and, and um, I think it was quite evident. They might have got a tap on the shoulder. Uh, I don't know, a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, he's certainly got the skills and, and, and the size. Uh, I mean, I wish I, you know, I had that in my day. Um, but it's just about doing it week in and week out. Um, and I think that was the um, frustrating part, not just for his, probably himself and teammates, but us watching. Um, I think also there's um, some pressure on him to realise you don't play to your potential. We have got players that can fill that slot. Uh, you've got your fat popos going well, um, and so people can now come in and, and um, play on that loose ball trio and, um, and play admirably well. May not quite have his all-round um, dimensions and ability, but um, sufficient enough to, to get the results. So uh, both things, a bit of a wake-up call and uh, maybe uh, realising I want to play week in, week out, and I've got to produce the goods because now it's something called competition. They also seem to have found um, a leader in Dalton Popoli'i. Now, his form has been absolutely outstanding, but it just appears that he has found the way to galvanise them on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's um, when he first made captain, um, I thought, well, well, that's a, let's have a look at that. And I thought, well, yeah, a guy that probably just gives his heart and soul week in, week out. I think we all know that. And a man who's got some skills. Um, again, you know, we seem to have a dupe of 
with the Simmons, don't we, Smithy? Um, so uh, I, I was um, mildly surprised, but uh, now pleasantly surprised. Um, just a down-to-earth guy, by the, by the look of it. I, I met him maybe once, but uh, he just seems like a real, genuine, down-to-earth guy. And I think that's probably brought a, a bit of humility to the Blues. Um, always potentially have a team or a squad, uh, talk a bit about it, but haven't delivered. So I just thought he, think he's brought an earthiness to the side, and that just shows in his qualities on and off the field. And um, I quite like it. He's a bit rough diamond, really. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I gravitate to him quite, quite warmly. Um, and I, he leads by example. And uh, I think it's been a, a, a great coup to, to put him in the captaincy role. And as I say, people gravitate around him and they're prepared to, to go to war for him. And he leads from the front. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a great choice. AJ Wetton, uh, folks, we're talking to here um, and we're talking about uh, the Blues specifically at the moment. Going to change tack in a second. But, oh, of course, when you get the good work done up front, uh, the nitty-gritty and, and things are falling into place, you get that platform, as they talk about, uh, AJ. Uh, you need someone to make decisions about what to use with it. And, and Barrett and Perifetta, they've, they've found, I think, Stephen Perifetta has had a hell of a season. And Barrett, of course, a world-renowned player, uh, have, have found the formula about how to use that platform and then distribute it to the wider platform. It, I think that shouldn't be undenied. You obviously know your footy. <laughs> You've nailed it. Um, you've always had somebody comes out of left field a bit, and, and we know um, Perifeta is, is that guy who's just now playing some really consistent, exciting footy. And adds another um, attacking tool to the box, doesn't he? Um, and that confidence is showing in his performance can play through his 5-2. Um, but again, settling in a certain positions and getting more comfortable, consistent selection, and that, again, just breeds confidence. And um, as you mentioned, a, a pretty consistent back line out there. And, and Barrett, we know he's world-class. Possibly coming back from Japan, as you do um, in the hiatus, you don't get back into the groove of rugby here. And I think that's been proven with most players coming back from overseas. Uh, but uh, Bowden's been back now for a while. And you can see he's starting to enjoy it, um, running freely, uh, kicking well. And look, you know... There is the odd mistakes, but that's rugby. That comes with it when you're, you're chancing your arm. But when you've got the ability and the players around you, uh, you can get away with the odd mistake. And um, it's just good to see Bowden Barrett enjoying his footy. There's a smile on his face when he's on the field, uh, whether he's done something brilliant or maybe made a bit of an error. But the fact is he's enjoying his rugby. And I think that's been um, shown out in the way that the team's playing as a whole. And, um, and you need a leader in the backs, and he's certainly it. He's got the the ability and the, and the experience and he's leading from the front in that role and it just makes it so much easier for everyone uh, outside him. What would you do, uh, AJ, in, in terms of a, a team this week? Would you, uh, they have the right, I mean, no, they've, they've, um, they've deserved the right because of the way they've played to rest people, to take it easy this week against the, the Waratahs over in Sydney. But there's always a danger when you do that, you lose a little bit of something in the squad in terms of momentum. Uh, how would you treat this? Uh, I, I agree. You've got to keep the momentum going. Uh, look, there'll be some tough decisions in selection, maybe barring injury. There's a couple. We know Caleb uh, um, has, has got an injury at the moment, Clark. So um, you just got to look at those guys. There may be one third probably that might need a rest or it might be in their program or, or in their welfare where they have to have a, a timeout. But you need to have momentum. 
Um, and you want to just send a message, don't you? That uh, we're on our way. We're, we're going to be ruthless in every match. And I think it's a very important match um, coming back to Eden Park. We know you've got the quarterfinal. Uh, but let's just you set the benchmark, guys. Uh, let's go out. Let's win it. Let's win it well. Let's uh, let the rest of the teams in the competition know you have to be on your best game to beat us. And... Um, and, and to keep those combinations going as much as you can. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to see wholesale changes, um, and I think you know they'd be well aware of that. That's my opinion anyway. Uh, AJ, we often talk to people uh, visiting sides and say, what is it uh, that is so intimidating about Eden Park? Why can't you come and win? We talk to the Wallabies every single year. We talk to them about that. Uh, we could talk to you, though, on a totally different side of things. What's it like to protect Eden Park? How easy is it when you prepare to run out there in the blue and white or the black? Um, well, that's a personal thing, uh, obviously. Uh, when you start setting um, uh, games and winning and on the trot or whatever, uh, it does become like um, your own turf and it's a battlefield. You want to protect it. Uh, but it comes down to... Uh, playing a brand of rugby um, that resonates with the team and the public and you feed off that um, and if you start setting um, a consistency you just want it to continue it's quite euphoric um, celebrations on and off the field and we did a bit of celebrating off the field Smitty as you knew um, but it's something that becomes addictive and you just don't want to let people down um, People come to expect you to perform at a certain level, standard, and win. And once you start creating that atmosphere, um, rightly or wrongly, people maybe take it for granted or demand it. Um, but it's, it's just a great wave to be on, and you just don't want it to end. Um, and um, so, yeah, this was just a, a magic time, and a, it comes down to your own personal preparation and, and what it means to you and, and the guys around you. And when you've got everyone buying into it, it, it's not hard. It just seems to flow and come naturally, uh, if I could say that. And I was pretty fortunate to have a, have a long run at it. But it does come to an end, <laughs> but hopefully not for a long time. No, you're dead right there. Well, certainly not for another month anyway for this Blues squad. Um, AJ, can we put an, your, your all-black thinking cap on here now? And particularly in the loose forward era, I'd really love to uh, hear your thoughts on on this. We've talked about the Auckland contingent, but uh, there's certainly some other worthy candidates to discuss. Sam Kane, of course, Artie Sevilla, um, you know, uh, Ethan Blackadder. PJ, uh, uh, Peter Gassua-Cooler is making a statement. Um, you know, Jacobson is there. Let, let's just have a look at, at um, are we that well off there? We've got the riches. Uh, or do where do you see it finishing up in terms of perhaps the first series uh, against Ireland? If they're all available, who would you go for? Gee, <laughs> you just mentioned about yeah. seven loose boys. Um, but isn't yeah. that a good thing? Yeah. Um, you've you, you got to think of your skipper. Who's going to be your skipper? So if it's going to be Sam Kane, he'll be there um, if he's injury-free. Um, I think Artie Sevilla has in the, a position. Um, and, and then you've, boy, put your hand up. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ethan Blackadder becoming the Crusaders Player of the Year. Uh, you've got Papa Lee leading the Blues so well. Uh, man, I'd hate to be a coach. But I think I've got to look back to 
last year, the way they finished their tour, their Northern tour, um, some big question marks raised uh, uh, about the losses they had over there. So they'll be looking at that, but also form. And maybe it's a time we've got to go for form and set a bit of experience um, and, and give some guys the opportunity, Smitty. Um, we've got a World Cup next year. Um, I don't think we can keep players at bay. We've got to give them the international experience, um, get them out there, uh, baffling against which I think will be a very strong and competent Irish team, and I, I think we all know that. And that's why we're so excited to see a, a team come here that's competitive, that we know mm. it's going to take it to the All Blacks and has a, a good history against the All Blacks uh, recently. So that's what we like, competition. So uh, I'd like to see some guys coming in um, and fronting it with the Irish team. But I like to look at it further at your tight tie. That's where I think our, our, our issue is. We've got to get some of those big men playing like they used to, or if they can't, who's going to replace them? Um, we've got to have dominance up front. And we talk about loose forwards. Well, we're only as good as going forward uh, when we've got those fat papers doing hard yards and dominating. And when you've got a, a tight five dominating, I assure you, loose forwards uh, grow an extra arm in the leg. And uh, so that's where I think uh, the big issue is. Uh, just finally, AJ, do you, do you, when you look at the game these days, do you, you see red cards, you see yellow cards, you see referee consultations, <laughs> you hear TMOs coming in? Do you, do you, do you just by the by, I mean, you, the game needs continuity and, and, and it needs to flow. Do you despair from time to time about the game at the moment? Well, I think you're putting it very politely. Um, I could say things, but... <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there at times with other, other guys and mates. I'm at the club or whatever. I'm at home. It's a late night and I'm, I'm yelling on something at the TV. My wife says, what's the hell is going on? But I, I call it frustration. And, you know, why can't people make decisions? Um, you know, I know we've got a TMO system, um, red cards. Is, is it, it's the rules, Smithy, which need really looking at. Um, the game has got extremely physical, I understand that, and we know about the welfare of players. But it's a contact sport. Um, where do you draw the line? And there's going to be mistakes. Uh, you can't penalise teams for a mistake that has a huge bearing on the game. And when you send a player off, and there are times where it's warranted, that impacts the game and its quality, its style. And that's what annoys me the most. Once I see uh, two or three yellow cards or a, a fending off or two, oh, you've lost me because I don't see a game mm. anymore. It's, and so that's the frustrating thing about it as a rugby player but supporter. I want to see entertainment. I want to see an event. I want to see a competition of two pretty good teams going at it and seeing who's the, you know who's got the, the best at the end of the match and the way they've played and, and, and been in, inventive on the field, don't let it come down to a referee or rules to decide the outcome. And that's what really gets my guard. AJ Wetton, uh, I think you've just echoed the thoughts of thousands upon thousands of people in terms of... Uh, the way you're viewing the game, it is frustrating. But, mate, it's never frustrating talking to you, I've got to say. Um, wonderful uh, for you to come on the show and, and give us some of your time this morning and those thoughts about your blues. Uh, long may it continue from your point of view, mate. Uh, fantastic. Thanks so much, buddy, uh, and nice to catch up with you. Anytime. You're a good bugger. Cheers, mate.
Cheers. AJ Witten there, folks. Uh, absolutely uh, one of my favourite uh, players. And I tell you what, did he own that six jersey? Um, and I, I really did enjoy watching that era of uh, Blues rugby. I wouldn't say I was an out-and-out Blues supporter. I was living in the Auckland uh, for a lot of that era, and I got the benefit of going to Eden Park and watching that very, very slick unit perform on a weekly basis. Uh, they were something. Uh, set a benchmark, which, of course, went across to the black jersey as well. Uh, and AJ Wetton at the heart of all of that. Fantastic, and uh, great to have him on. 11.23 here on SENZ. New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 11.28 here on SENZ. Having a lot of fun uh, with my producer this morning, uh, Joey Bell, who's standing in for... Uh, my other producer, Logan Swinkles, so we wish all the best in coming right uh, health-wise. Uh, but here we go. Uh, we've got some text to read out. Uh, hi, Smithy. I just uh, came across a video of you on a show with the Professor and Barney taking the mickey out of you about the underarm. Yeah. How long ago was that filmed? It was funny. Um, yes, Carl, it was funny, actually. They are great guys. It's a hell of a layback sort of a show. They give you a beer beforehand. In fact, they let you take a beer onto the show. Um, and uh, the Professor and Barney dress themselves up in their regalia and they just try to take the mickey out of, particularly with us, us uh, New Zealanders. They, they seem to find that very easy. But, um, you know, that was filmed during the series where we didn't play very well in the three tests. So I hardly had a leg to stand on. And then, of course, they did a skit on the underarm as well. Uh, trying to uh, work through that because it was the anniversary of it or something. So, uh, yeah, they're cool guys, really cool and very, very funny men. Uh, so a lot of fun, uh, Professor and Barney. Uh, morning, Smithy. Regarding Gilbert's uh, dangerous late tackle on Hooper without the ball, was a red card all day and lucky to get only five weeks because it's an area all referees need to clean up because of player safety. It's really bad at super rugby level. That is, players are legally cleaning out players without the ball from the sides at the breakdown. Totally agree, Jeff the ref. And that is why uh, Sam Kane has got a knee injury at the moment because Madrano cleaned him out from the side. And you look at you look at the size of Madrano, the prop for uh, the Western Force. He is the quintessential build for a prop. He hits you at a low trajectory on the side of your knee, which is not meant to bend that way. What chance has your knee got? And he did. He hit him from the side, and that went undetected. And uh, I think it, uh, rather than accidental, you'd uh, have to argue perhaps it perhaps was not accidental. Tony has come in. Hi, Smithy. I'm trying to think of a movie title for the Warriors season. Uh, the Poseidon Adventure is one. Or the Titanic come to mind. Uh, a sinking ship where everyone is trying to get off. Uh, cheers, Tony. Yeah, uh, certainly um, I think you've got the disaster movies on your mind there. Uh, Vaughan has come in and said oh, I think Hamish needs a cuddle uh, talking about uh, Hamish Bidwell the NRL is one of the best competitions going around every comp has its heavyweights look at the Broncos and the Cowboys every team has the talent to change it starts at the top for me thank you very much Vaughan for that uh, sorry Graham couldn't get uh, that question in uh, about uh, your Northland friends, Tom Robinson or Josh Goodhue, are worthy of uh, extended All Black squad selection, perhaps for the end of the year tour. Uh, Graham from Marlborough, formerly uh, from Northland. Uh, I would imagine both of those names are very much in the mix. I'm a big fan of Tom Robinson, got to say. And the fact that he can come on and play at uh, Lock, where he started the other day, 
uh, and a very impressive performance and then switch to the side of the scrum uh, when they make some changes off the interchange bench. Uh, I think puts Tom Robinson with his uh, raw boned ability and power right into the mix. Uh, Jeremy, uh, I thought that the ruck rules had changed. Hooper can't clean it like that and Gilbert has to lever him out. Technique on how you lever him out, I think that's probably the issue there, Jeremy. Uh, and that is one of the reasons why that turned to custard. Um, uh, and Dino's come in and said, uh, thanks for the voucher, but please give it to uh, Alan Wetton's wife. Alan is a breath of fresh air. What a comment about sending off uh, in the money. Thug- he's on the money with thuggery. Has no place in the game. Contest and the tackle is the game I love to watch. So bring him to the Law Courts Hotel with yourself and Staffy and Alan Wetton and Dean. There's a session developing. It's 11.32 here on SENZ, slightly late into the news, but it still does not mean we haven't got time for this. 0800 150 It is time to stump Smithy $50 worth of TAB product, plus some sleep drops available to you as well. Get on the blower, folks. Good luck. Night on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, and isn't he just, and, he's, and it flows on to life after sports as well for Smithy. Uh, that's right, it is Stumped by Smithy, and if you can tell that I am not Logan, it is Brian here. I'm back uh, in the hot seat uh, pretending I know what I'm up to. So um, today uh, for Stumped, we've we- got... We have, well, we, first we have the $50 bonus bet to give away if you beat Smithy today. And yeah. the sleep drops, uh, try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed, sleepdrops.co.nz. Uh, today we have coming up to the crease is Kerry from Manawatu. Coming, Kerry. Yeah, how are you guys? Yeah, good, thanks, oh, mate. Kerry. And yourself? You, you got. You, Going to have another go, Kerry, for goodness sake. <laughs> well, Loves the machine's just broken down, so I'm waiting for the mechanics. So. Okay, righty-o, Kerry. Right-o, Brian, what have you got lined up for us today, boy? Okay, What's so on the agenda? Three subjects today are cricket, soccer, football, or Formula One. What would you like to go with, Kerry? Uh, I'll go Formula One. All right, let's go. First question. The Miami, oh, let me just that down a bit. The Miami Grand Prix began its 10-year tenure with Formula One recently. Red Bull's Max Verstappen won the race, but who came second? Um, Oscar Hamilton. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, over to you, Smithy. Yeah, I know. Uh, I should know this because we we did talk to Araho about the, uh, this result actually, uh, but I think it, it wasn't. It was Verstappen, but I don't think it was Charles Leclerc because I think he finished further back, and that's why he closed the points on on such a big big margin. But who actually got up for second? Um, I have absolutely no idea. Sorry, uh, Brian, but I will go just in case I'm wrong. Charles Leclerc. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right uh, in the to the keeper oh, and, and he takes the bails off. <laughs> Kerry, thank you very much for taking part, my old friend. <laughs> Cheers, Kerry. Kerry now from we are off to <laughs> Tim from Christchurch. How we doing, boys? We're going all right, actually, Tim. Thank you very much for asking. So, 
Yeah, mate. Crusaders Blues final. What are you thinking? Yeah, I actually uh, put a bonus bet on it ages ago that the Blues would win because the Crusaders were paying rubbish money. So got happy, happiness insurance if we don't win it. <laughs> okay, good on you, boy. How do you go at Formula One? Oh, probably not the best, but I'll give it a whirl. Sweet as two questions okay. left. Question number two. Damon Hill is one of the big names of Formula One during the 90s. How many championships did the British driver win? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, say three. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, it's through to the keeper. What does he do with it? Well, does the keeper think that he went really, really well, Damon Hill? Uh, son of Graham Hill, or do I think that perhaps uh, was less than that? Uh, I will go for one of the worst things. Oh, he fumbles I and drops it. And he goes on oh, four leg buys. Oh. Uh, the answer there is one in 1996. <laughs> hey, oh, well, okay. you're still alive. Everything's on the line here, uh, Tim. So, final question. Kiwi driver Brendan Hartley made his Formula One debut in 2017. Which team did he race for? Um, was it the other Red Bull team? I think it was uh, Alpha Tori. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a. No, incorrect. Through to the keeper again. Oh, man. Okay, 2017. I don't think it was Mercedes. I don't think it was Red Bull. Um, I think it was one of those teams further down the list there. Uh, but the only other one that comes to mind, to my mind readily, is Williams. I'm sorry, Williams. It's my guess. One of the worst things. Oh, fumbles another four leg buys. No, the, the correct answer is Toro Rosso. Oh, yeah. It's Toro the Red Bull yeah, Tero Rosso, of course it was, mate. Okay. Uh, well you know what that means, Tim. You don't get the you don't get the sleep drops, Brian, does he? But he does get the he fifty gets, bucks from the TAB. That is correct. He gets the fifty bucks, but unfortunately no sleep drops. Oh that that'll oh, do, thanks Tim, very much. That'll do. Put that on put it on a, a Blues Crusaders final. I don't know what options you'll get uh, on that or how much money, but if you can get two or three bucks on that, I'd take that, mate, because that's the way I see it going. Uh, all the best. Have a great down there yep. uh, in the uh, Garden City, mate, and uh, thanks for, for being a friend of the show. I appreciate it. It's 11.40 here on SENZ, and we shall be back shortly with some text and a couple of things to talk about, I'm sure. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.45 here on SENZ and I've got an apology to make to John from Christchurch who sent me a text this morning earlier and saying make sure you ask uh, Alan Wetton uh, about his actual closet support for the Crusaders. Now uh, John um, is a relation by marriage, uh, John, and I completely and utterly forgot. I got so carried away with the content of the conversation I had so much more to ask him but uh, what happens in radio is you, uh, and TV of course is that you eventually run out of time and you've got to go to ad breaks and things. So next time, John, uh, I have AJ Wetton on. I certainly will ask him about uh, that and the fact that he's not allowed to watch television at home anyway. So uh, interesting. Uh, and on that, uh, Anthony said, uh, uh, how do we listen to a Alan Wetton uh, working on a building site and it's too noisy. 
uh, uh, just get on the uh, the podcast uh, and you'll find it there on the, the Morning Show podcast. You'll find it there. An intriguing conversation too and honest as you would always expect from AJ Allen Wetton. Um, so uh, Brendan said, uh, good morning, Smithy. I'm a big league fan but can't stand the Warriors. Now, this actually came through in yesterday. I wanted to keep it. How many years have they been treated like a doormat? Their culture always, has always been brought up, uh, bringing in club legends to give them a talk or kick up the butt, and, and that waste of word, uh, waste of time word, a review is needed. Surely they need to tear it all back, in other words, gut it, take it back and sort themselves out. The whole club, uh, Brendan's talking about here, the whole club, not just uh, the playing and coaching aspect of it, the way they go about things, which is uh, an interesting uh, concept uh, in, in that regard. Uh, Jeff has come in. It's a great chat with AJ. I agree with uh, most of what he said. His the scenarios, they took out the TMO and left the decision to us referees. Would the player coaches support the referee's decision, even if it's clearly wrong? Mm. One bad decision could cost the team the semi or the final which would be picked up by the TMO. Well, that, uh, Jeff, is the nature of the beast, isn't it, really? Oh, I know it's, sometimes it's a thankless role, and even when you have a great performance, no one says so. Uh, some commentators tend to say this game has flowed really well. Um, I, I'll give you a for instance. There was a game um, two weeks ago between the Crusaders and the Reds. Didn't have a referral. Did not have a TMO referral. The game, according to the tier, uh, the television script, finished eight minutes early to what they were expecting. Eight minutes early uh, to what they had budgeted for and they had to go and find extra content in the post-match show to make up for that because the game had no referrals, it had no TMO involvement, it had no cards as such. It was just a, a game which actually worked out quite smoothly, goodness me, uh, like they did in the old days. How, how cool was that? So... Uh, it can happen from time to time, um, but uh, it's, it's leaning the other way, Jeff, unfortunately, not uh, the way uh, we would all like it to see. Um, another thing which is uh, not sport, which has uh, come through this morning, is a, another one of those tragic shootings in America. Now up to 18 children have died, two. When I say children, uh, youths as well, uh, and also two teachers, uh, two adults have been involved in that as well. So that's now ballooned up to 18 and 2 and it, I thought we might have been over that from an American point of view I just thought you know it's been a while since we've had that scenario come through but no it's back to and this is in San Antonio or around San Antonio in Texas uh, so just a terrible eventuation and why I bring that up is that is whilst it's bad on the worldwide stage and it doesn't affect us how do we let seven houses get shot at overnight how, how do we let that happen. What what let us get to that stage in this country where seven houses could be shot at uh, by gang members or whoever overnight? Uh, and how long will it be, be before there's a kid in a front window watching cars go past or uh, in a bedroom window uh, and one of those shootings finds the kid? I mean, you know, can't they see that's going to happen? Is this just not a very small scale of what happens from time to time in America? And, and for politicians to stand up and say it's not a problem, it's not a real issue, it's not typical of New Zealand, wrong. Absolutely dead cast wrong. It is getting to that stage uh, where it is the major issue in this country. The right, the right to be, feel safe in your own home, to feel safe in the streets, uh, I, I think we deserve, don't we? The right to feel safe in your own home without it being shot at? Goodness me. Uh, what if they just get the wrong house? 
maybe it's not involved in the gang. They just get the one next door or the one they get the wrong address uh, and it's your house. Uh, I, 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 I know it's an issue for Mike Hosking and I've gone off the... Um, I've gone off the topic a wee bit here. It's one of those other talkback issues. But uh, I don't care if we're interested in sport or politics or whatever your thing is, you have the right to feel safe. And I think that's one of the biggest issues going forward in this country. Gangs and the ability to stay safe in your own homes and your own streets. They've got to address that because that is what New Zealand is all about. Staffy shortly. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.